This is BT Techno, a regular podcast series for financial advisors wanting to remain at the forefront of strategy, regulatory and industry news. Hello and welcome to today's BT Techno podcast. My name is Brian Ashenden and I have the pleasure of leading the BT Technical Services team, a team of experts available to answer any advice, technical queries you may have about strategies for your clients. In this week's podcast, I'm handing the microphone over to Matt Manning, a senior technical consultant in BT's technical services team. Now recently, Matt delivered a webinar on the pension loan scheme from the government, which generates a number of interesting questions. And in this podcast, Matt will explore a number of the themes from these questions to help explain in further detail how the pension loan scheme actually works. So with no further ado, Matt, it's over to you. Hi. On the 6th of October, I delivered episode 36 of our fortnightly webinar series on the topic of the Pension Loan Scheme, which is abbreviated to PLS. If you're interested but missed, you can still watch on demand by clicking on this session in the webinars menu in BT Academy. We received quite a few questions resulting from this session, which is great, so this podcast will address what I think are the five most interesting questions which were asked by advisors during and after the session. Just as a quick refresher, the Pension Loan Scheme is a reverse mortgage style loan offered by the Federal Government. It allows most property owning Australians of age pension age to increase their fortnightly income in exchange for using their property as security. So question one was how popular is the Pension Loan Scheme? Uh, Anecdotally, now that the scheme's been broadened to allow those receiving the full age pension to participate, I still think it's a bit underutilised. To provide some numbers, uh, these don't seem to be published very often, but the latest I can find is from the final report of Treasury's Retirement Income Review, published late 2020, which on page 436 states that there were 2,288 PLS participants as at March 2020. Now, whilst this is a low number, the total numbers more than trebled from the previous figure in June 2018. So in that less than two year period, there's certainly been significant growth. The Retirement Income Review also identified on the following page that one of the reasons why asset rich, cash poor retirees, and I quote, do not understand the nature of government programs such as a pension loan scheme, end quote. So I'd expect that it's likely that this growth will continue uh, and that the PLS presents advice opportunities, which many clients may not realize exists, Uh, especially as more of the baby boomer generation start to get close to drawing on their super and other non-property savings and want to increase their cash flow without having to sell their property or properties. Question two related to how is the property used as the PLS security valued? And the answer is that Services Australia will have the property formally valued. Now, to go into a bit more detail, uh, as part of the PLS application form, the client agrees that they will allow a licensed valuer to enter and inspect the property and that Services Australia will contact the applicant to arrange a mutually convenient time. If the property is rented, the PLS applicant is responsible for ensuring that any state-based or contract-specific rules um, are being met, such as ensuring that the tenant's informed of the inspection and has been provided with adequate notice. Only real property located in Australia can be used as PLS security, and this includes the client's main residence or residential or commercial investment property. Any asset that's not Australian real property, such as shares or managed funds, cannot be used as PLS security. 
Also, unlike the cost of placing the charge over the property, which needs to be paid by the applicant or added to the value of the PLS loan, the applicant does not have to pay for the valuation costs. Question three was, can a retirement village be used as security for a PLS loan? And the short answer is usually not, but this will depend on the ownership structure of the retirement village. Broadly as only real property can be used as PLS security, only retirement village residents who hold freehold title would be able to use their retirement village interest as PLS security. Also in these cases that they hold freehold title, uh, the details of the retirement village arrangement may involve the operator of the village being titled to some of the proceeds upon sale, uh, which could make it either impractical to identify or reduce the value of the available equity for PLS purposes. Question four was a few questions uh, related to the interest rate, such as um, don't you think that the 4.5% interest rate for the PLS is too high? Uh, now, this is subjective, but I personally think that the rate is quite reasonable. So whilst higher than the rate for most home loans, um, I don't think this is an apples for apples comparison, considering that for a home loan, uh, the applicant needs to have sufficient income to be able to service a loan and make regular repayments. Uh, and also, where, whereas the applicant's income for the is not part of the PLS assessment, and also not only does the PLS interest capitalise, but broadly there's no repayments required until they pass away or sell the property. Uh, so I think comparing the PLS interest rate with the various private sector reverse mortgages is a more um, relevant comparison. And actually, while this varies between um, providers, from a quick search online, I'd conclude that the 4.5% PLS weight is quite repetitive, uh, competitive in this regard, especially once any fees and charges are taken into account. Uh, also, I mentioned during this session that whilst the PLS is not very flexible, uh, one aspect that can make it um, more attractive than a reverse mortgage is that if the client moves to aged age care in the future, th this does not ca cause a compulsory repayment of their PLS loan, uh, whereas this is often the case for clients with a private sector reverse mortgage. Question five related to the formula to determine the maximum PLS loan amount, um, specifically where can that full list uh, of age-based components uh, amounts be viewed? Um, I think the best place to see the, the full list of that is uh, section 3.4.5.30 of the Guide to Social Security Law. Uh, for those not familiar with this research, the best way is just to Google side Guide to Social Security Law. It should be the first hit and then section three from the menu of the left, then 3.4, uh, 3.4.5, 3.4.5.30. Also, I just came across a, uh, a resource located on the Services Australia website, which at the time of the session I didn't know existed. Uh, it's a relatively new PLS calculator, which I think um, can come in uh, handy and be used to determine first the eligibility and then also probably more importantly, the maximum um, loan amount. Uh, it also then from that provides, based on the inputs entered, uh, an estimate of how many fortnightly PLS payments um, the client would likely be able to receive until the uh, maximum loan amount is uh, reached. Uh, probably the easier way to access that is to again just Google Pension Loan Scheme plus Calculator plus Services Australia, and it should be the first here. Uh, I'd say overall this calculator is pretty good. Um, it's certainly very simple to use and the output is clear. Uh, but if you choose to use, um, I'll just, if you wouldn't mind, a few comments and hints from a, a functionality perspective. 
Um, so firstly, it's quite simplistic as there doesn't seem to be any real ability um, to apply indexation. Uh, and also the tool doesn't determine the client's rate of age pension. So effectively, that's something that you'd have to work out um, separately when using this tool. For an example, by using um, the Social Security and ABP uh, deeming tool the, the BT technical team has, has produced. Uh, also, something which I don't think they make clear is that, is that only the PLS loan amount um, needs to be entered as the payment amount, um, rather than the whole amount, including what they're receiving as age pension. So using the Robert case study from the presentation as an example, he's single, already receiving the full rate of age pension, um, has no other assets other than his million dollar main residence, and wants to receive the maximum amount. So for Robert, if you were to use the calculator, you'd only enter the um, $483.75 per fortnight PLS amount um, that they're receiving for the purpose of the calculation and not the total payment of the $1,451.25 per fortnight as this um, latter amount also includes the amount of age pension he's receiving. Uh, also, the calculator does allow a higher total payment, uh, although this would only be relevant for clients receiving rent assistance, which would be reasonably uncommon for a, a PLS applicant. Thanks very much. Well, thanks, Matt. Certainly a lot to consider when determining whether a pension loan scheme arrangement could be beneficial for a client. Now, if you missed Matt's webinar on this topic, you can always view it on replay by heading to www bt.com.au forward slash professional and follow the links to the BT Academy webinar series. There you'll find Matt's recent session as well as recordings of all our other sessions that we've delivered, all of which have been accredited for CPD purposes. And whilst there, why not register for our next fortnightly BT Academy technical webinar, which is scheduled for midday November the 3rd, when I'll be presenting on the topic of Are You in the Business of Ethics? Now, a lot of discussion about ethics and financial planners has focused on the recommendations made to clients and your standing as a professional advisor, always acting in your client's best interest. And whilst this is a vitally important topic, has it been at the expense of your business? This session will focus in on a number of the ethical considerations that arise in a financial planning business context that have the ability to set your business up for success and show how ethical considerations really do become a part of everyday life. And I'll also take that opportunity to give you an update on where things are at in terms of the transitioning of responsibilities away from FASIA across to Treasury and to ASIC. And finally, please remember, if you have any technical advice strategy questions, you can access the expertise of the BT Technical Services team on 1800 655 901 or send the team an email at technical at Until next time, bye for now. BT Tech knows, and now you know. Join us next time to keep ahead of the curve for strategy, regulatory, and industry news. This podcast has been developed for financial advisor use only and provides general information only. It does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations, or needs.